Hi Sparks. Thank you all so much for continuing to contribute to a beautiful worship service this afternoon. We are so grateful for all of you, for Junior, for the worship leaders, for Pastor Mark and team, for Sidney and her prayer, for Jason and hosting, and all of you who continue to contribute to our services and gather together here online. We are deeply grateful that you continue to show up and create Spark and you are Spark together as we do this. Um, so thank you for all of that. Ironically, here we are about one year to the day before when we last met together in a physical space, when we last drove to church together and we're in spark space together. Um, and today, ironically, then we are talking about why is church important? Why do we go to church? So it's a bit odd for me just to chat about that now and right now I'm not in a church. I'm not in a church building. I'm not remotely near our church building. I am in the green hills of Santa Rosa um, and we've been spending a little bit of time with my folks this weekend and and just hanging out a bit here and so this morning I drove over and hung out in the parking lot of my home church of the place where I grew up um, my little Bethlehem Lutheran Church here in Santa Rosa, a nice little ELCA community that really did shape and grow me quite a bit. So I spent some time this morning thinking about um, what it was that was so important about church for me and really what it was that caused me to want to do this for the rest of my life that you know church wouldn't just be one day a week but would be something I wanted to do seven days a week as a career for the rest of my very life and so I've been thinking a lot about what is important about church why do we think um, this is so valuable we've given all of ourselves to it um, so many of us here in this community have done so so when we can't go to this church building and even though we're not physically in space together we'd like to ask that question today what is so important about church now maybe your kid has asked this question in exactly that framing or or maybe they've said why is church important or maybe you remember as a kid growing up and maybe not wanting to go to church and so you remember saying why do we have to go to church this morning because you just wanted to stay home and have cereal sunday morning and watch cartoons so for all of those questions and maybe even also a question of why should I go to church when I'm so deeply disappointed in so many Christians? Or I've been so harmed by the church, or I'm so disappointed by how the church has behaved um, nationally or internationally, and I feel embarrassed by the church. Why go to church? Why is it still important? So we're gonna try to ask those questions, even though right now, I think if this morning today, somebody had said to all of us, hey you guys, it's safe. You can very easily go back to church and it'll be safe and it's fine. All of us would probably be shouting, kids included, I get to go to church and we would be thrilled because we miss the rambunctious nature of our community. We miss the kids running in and out. We miss Tony and his coffee. We miss the hospitality table. We miss the music. We miss um, praying and singing together. We miss hearing one another's prayers in that space echo off the walls. We miss the beautiful view out of our glass doors towards the courtyard. We miss um, seeing our Jewish friends as they come in and out for meetings while we meet in that space. We miss it all. And if we could get back right now, we would desperately dash to do so. I know many of us just got even teary being only in the sparking lot together, um, which we have coming up March 21st um, on that Sunday. So we'll tell you more about that at the end of the message, but keep that date in the back of your mind because we've still found some creative little ways to, to see one another distancely and safe. Hopefully there's a light at the end of the tunnel. We'll be able to be together soon. But in the meantime, let's talk about 
what's so important about church and why we go and why we spend all of our time and effort and and contributions to continuing to invest in this spark church community as well as other churches we've been part of or may still be part of so perhaps if you grew up and you asked the question, mom, dad, why do we have to go to church? You were simply given a religious pat answer because Jesus wants us to, or the Bible tells us so, or it would be a quote out of Hebrews chapter 10 verses 23 and 25. Like, let us continue holding fast to the hope we acknowledge without wavering for the one who made the promises trustworthy. And let us keep paying attention to one another in order to spur on each other to love and good deeds and not neglect our own congregational meetings. I've some have made the practice of doing so like we just did not want the author of Hebrews to throw us under the bus with those other people but instead we wanted to continue to not neglect our meetings and assemblies and gatherings but continue to encourage one another um, maybe we've grown up going to church at least this was my experience growing up understanding that church was important because church had a birthday there was a starting date it was Acts chapter 2 and that's when the church started the Holy Spirit showed up and filled everybody in the house and when I was growing up I didn't know that that meant it was a previous holiday in the Bible that was Shavuot, the festival of weeks, the giving of the Torah, and that it was connected to all these other things and this really beautiful other message that we should tell you about sometime. Um, but I just knew it was the church's birthday. And together then when the Holy Spirit showed up and filled the place where they were meeting, which was the house of God, the temple in Jerusalem, and that they were all there and then 3,000 were added to their number and baptized that day, that everyone there shared everything they had together. And that if you had more and somebody was in need, you shared that. And so this was, I grew up in an ELCA liturgical church, so we practiced the church's birthday. And we were so excited when it was Pentecost and remembering those tongues of fire that lit on everybody and the power of the Holy Spirit that filled that place. And we'd have red banners and I remember the flames and the Holy Spirit coming down and all of that. I wanted to go to church because I wanted to be part of a community like the community of Acts chapter 2. That birthday of the church, of, of how we thought about the church would be shaped and known from that point forward. In fact, I remember the church being so incredibly powerful that that story I also learned growing up at that little Lutheran church with the Peter and Paul song like silver and gold have I none but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk and then we'd do this. He went walking and leaping and praising God. Okay, so it's from Acts chapter chapter four, just following these incredible events of this early Jesus follower movement in Jerusalem as they continued to meet and continued to share everything together. Peter and John are going up to the temple to pray and there's somebody there who's in need and they need healing. And they're like, hey, give me some money. And they say, we don't have any silver and gold, but here's what we have. We have this power of Christ get up and walk. And the man did. I wanted that church experience. And that's why church was important to me growing up. I wanted to be part of a community that had that kind of connection to that kind of Holy Spirit power where lives could be changed. You see, early on from Acts chapter two and forward, we have seen in our Bibles that Christianity was never intended to be a private, solo, personal relationship religion, but instead was about the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, filling a community of believers that gathered together, that shared everything to anyone who had need, that brought healing, that brought equity, that brought justice, that brought hope, that brought resurrection hope, that brought baptized followers into new life, 
all of that good news um, that was able to study, to teach everything as Jesus had taught them. That was the community that Christianity was supposed to be. That was the church. The word we use in the Bible and the Greek in the New Testament, the word used for church, translated that, um, we first find it in Matthew chapter 16 and other places, is ekklesia. That's the Greek word. And it simply is meaning gathering. In the Septuagint, the Greek translation of our Old Testament or Hebrew scriptures, it's first used in in Exodus and in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 10. It's used there because it's talking about how at the base of Mount Sinai that there was an ecclesia, an assembly, a gathering of a community together at the base of Sinai to receive that message of God, to receive that good life. And so from the very beginning, we see that this message um, that Jesus gives, that message that's through our Hebrew scriptures as well, is not a solo individualistic message, but is a message given to a community, to a people. People to carry forth. So the Christian life is not a solo, uh, solo project. It's a group project. Yep. Some do the more work than others, but they still all get the same grade. It was never intended to be a solo project, but a group project. It's not as only primarily a set of privately held beliefs, but a shared life so that we can say silver and gold have I none. That's me. Uh, but everything I have, I give you. And what I have is this access to this beautiful new life, this kingdom of God coming crashing down in um, here in Acts chapter two, tastes of the kingdom. The church has always been a place where we learn, where we study, where we gather, where we serve one another. Growing up at my little, tiny, beautiful, wonderful community Lutheran church, it was required beginning in middle school that if you wanted to get confirmed, which was a three-year process, that you would have to do 20 service hours a month. And so I grew up serving, helping, finding places. I, I was sitting there this morning and, and looking at the entrance to the kitchen where I did lots of dishes. I was looking at the nursery that's there where I watched little kids and learned how to care for kiddos early on in my um, young elementary school, but soon to be pastoral career. I remember taking sermon notes that counted for um, going to church and taking good notes on the sermon counted for a service hour, which was great when you needed 20 service hours a month. I remember acolyting um, and, and helping light the candles and praying I didn't burn the church down and helping with communion and watching the pastor in front of me say, um, say those beautiful words of institution um, every, well, in, in my church growing up, it was first and third Sunday that we, that we did the Lord's Supper. I remember all of those things together. That's what church was for me, and that's what I think church has historically been. It's been a place where we listen to one another praise and pray. It's a place where we watch one another grieve and celebrate. It's a place where we welcome in new life, where we um, open chapters of life, where we close chapters of life, where we mourn those who are lost, where we celebrate marriages, where we, um, we ask for forgiveness, where we anoint the healing, where we serve the poor. Um, it's been a place for struggles and questions and hopes all along. That was my church growing up experience. Not perfect. There were some really challenging things that happened that were terrible and needed work on, but mostly I had this incredibly positive, beautiful, wonderful, small church experience that felt very New Testament-y. And when I, at 13, decided I wanted to be a pastor and went to my pastors at my church where I had seen female pastors preaching and leading, 
was celebrated. It was not a problem at all. When I told my other Christian friends on the school bus, uh, going to our little uh, middle school that I wanted to be a pastor, that was when I ran into some of that, oh no, you can't do that because you're a woman and didn't you know? And so then I went with my questions back to my pastors. Can you please help me understand why are these people saying that women are not allowed to be in leadership in the church? And they were like, eh, no, you could totally do that. Let's just explain, here's the study. And they walked me through what was happening in Ephesus. They walked me through Paul's letters. They walked me through the other places where Paul invested in ministry, uh, in women in his ministry, where we see the egalitarian statements of, in Christ Jesus, there is neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, bond nor free slave. You know, all are one in Christ Jesus. All of this good news, um, I was able to ask those questions and see a community that embraced those justice and those, that justice and those ethics, um, all of that together happened in my church experience. I think all of humanity, we need a place, a physical place, a set apart time every week where, where we can have a container for hopes, for joys, for losses, for grief, for mourning, um, for love, um, where we can see and hear the stories and the testimonies of people who've had similar experiences and have survived those experiences, of people who've lived longer than us, of people who've lived fewer years than us can have the faith of a child, um, of people who are new to the faith, people who have been walking with Jesus for decades. We need those stories. We need the ancient stories um, from Genesis through Revelation. We need the stories in the living stones of our church today. We need the present hope that we have and the hope for the future that things could be better. We need a container for our hope for justice. Uh, we need a place where we can reach back into the brothers and sisters of our faith who were abolitionists and suffragists and who pushed forward um, the hope of justice in this world. We need a place where we can continue to experience the wisdom of the young and the old in all of these areas. I believe that we go to church so that we can have an experience with the presence of God. Um, back in Exodus chapter 29, uh, beginning in verse 45, we have this beautiful verse where it says that as the children of Israel are at Mount Sinai, God says, I will dwell in the midst, betoch, like actually in the children of Israel, and then I will be their God. That when we see this ecclesia, this community coming into being early on in Mount Sinai and then pushing forward all the way through our Christian scriptures in the New Testament, we find God is dwelling in our midst. That's the story of Acts chapter 2. That's the language that Paul will use as well um, in Corinthians. That's the language that Peter will use as he says, all of you together are living stones and we are being each as a living stone being built together to be the dwelling place for God in our community. We go to church so that we can encounter the divine, so that we can regularly try to experience a thin place, a place where we have set aside time and space um, to try to listen to try to become more aware of God's presence in our life and a place where we hear that same pursuit in the hearts and the songs and the prayers and the lives of our sisters and our brothers in that space. We go to church to try to encounter God's presence, those living stones today. Not one stone, me up on a hill by myself, but all of us being gathered together and being built into that holy place and presence of God. The church is created to be that holy, pla that holy place. And that way, when the world is looking for light, when the world is looking for love, when the world is looking for that presence of Jesus, they turn to the church and they look to us for a place in which we might be able to just say, yes, Jesus is here and present. 
We are full of sinners, but we are the bride of Christ. And we are here um, to try to bring more of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. So we go to church to experience that dwelling of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of God's presence for us. We go to church because we want to be part of a group of other living stones who are all being shaped by this miraculous narrative of the death, burial, and resurrection found in Jesus and also found in the hope of baptism. That we can die to our old life and be found again a new, a new life, be made a new creation. We wanna be in a community of people who are being shaped by that narrative too, who believe that this resurrection life is possible right now, as well as in the world to come. And as we walk into this space together, whether it's online, on Zoom, or on YouTube, or in person, when we walk into the space together, we also practice for what we believe will come. As we talked about a few weeks ago when we were looking at the book of Revelation and talking about what heaven might be like, um, we looked at Revelation chapter 21, and at the beginning, um, John the Revelator says that, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and for the first heaven, the first earth had passed away, and the holy city, the new Jerusalem, was coming down from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, see, the home of God is now among mortals. God will dwell with God's people and they will be God's people. Like that is such good news. And then we hear, of course, that God himself will be with them and God will wipe away every tear from our eyes and their death will be no more. When we gather together as a church, why is church important? Because we're getting ready for something that will come again someday. And so we are looking, we have that future hope. And so we practice. Church is a place where we remember what's happened in the past, where we practice a present hope, and where we also rehearse for the feast and the festival uh, to come in the new kingdom, the new heaven, the new earth, the Jerusalem that's coming. We go to know who we have been and who we are and who we are called to be. Uh, when we go to church, it connects us with our history. Every time we take the Lord's Supper, a sacrament of the church, we remember what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. We practice again this holy feast together and practice and experience the presence of Jesus in our midst as we take communion again and we rehearse again for that feast to come. Whether it's the sacraments of marriage or the Last Supper, Lord's Supper and communion or anointing the sick or forgiveness of sin or reconciliation or, or baptism, these sacraments, they shape our life. They change how we think about the world and how we think about ourselves. And we need these sacraments because of the sacred story that they enact. So that's one of the reasons why we go to the church. Now, I think a lot of times when we ask ourselves, why is church important or why should I go to church or what's, what is there, what we're really asking because we're in a consumer focused society is what's in it for me? Like which products do I want? And then even as in church shopping, we'll look for the best lights or the best music or the best childcare program or the most amazing, etc. So we ask the question, what's in it for me? Well, I want to let it, you know, that's not really, that's not really why we go to church. <laughs> we go to church because it's our opportunity to contribute. Now we know there's a whole bunch of good stuff that happens to us when we go to church. But that's not why we go. We aren't going because of what's in it for me. We're going because the church needs us. Because church doesn't happen without you and me. 
Um, Spark, we've been saying from the very beginning, Spark will always take the shape of the people who come. When you come to Spark and you want to get involved in our little church, which is just a spark, it's not the fire. We, we didn't start the fire. It's always been burning since the world's been turning. We just want to be this beautiful one light, shine our light in our community for the love of Jesus. When you come to Spark and you want to get your hands dirty, then Spark will take the shape of who comes and contributes to it. And there's been beautiful and wonderful examples of this since the beginning of Spark. Um, some of you have felt passionately about music and you've gotten involved in that, or you've been very passionate about the pursuit of social justice or racial reconciliation or um, multi-faith reconciliation or study or concern for the poor. And, and we've taken the things that we've done in our community and, and Spark's been shaped by it. It's been shaped by you as you each have come. The church needs you. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 when he talks about how the church is made up of many, many parts, but we are all one body. And we can't simply say, I don't need this hand or I don't need this eyeball and all the things that, that Paul kind of pulls on this analogy in this beautiful chapter and you should go and read it after this. Um, if you don't come to church, if, if you're not part of the whole, I'm not talking about Spark specifically, but like the whole collective universal church, then the church misses out on the unique and beautiful gifts that God has given you um, that we desperately need, the church needs, that you've been created for, um, created to come and, and do something beautiful. Also, the world needs the church. We need the church, right? Without the church, I would not have grown up with a vision and understanding of the unconditional love of God in my life. I wouldn't have grown up just walking around believing that the Father was fond of me. <laughs> which is a really audacious thing to think. I went to have grown up knowing that I could ask for forgiveness and that I could start again, um, that there was pure and holy and true and complete forgiveness found in Jesus Christ. Um, I went to have grown up knowing that I could contribute in the same way and, and that I could be such a valued member of the community um, and that, that the world was bigger than me, that there were places to serve and, and to love um, Christ's bride. Um, as long as the world needs Jesus, the world is going to need the church because the church is the place where this Jesus story is told and acted out and brought about and made, made to come again and again to life in our communities. The church needs us. It needs you and me both to do our part. The church needs, the world needs a community um, that will dedicate babies, that will baptize believers, that will marry lovers, that will bury the dead. Yes, our world still needs our churches because churches alone keep the story of Jesus alive. It reminds me of that Hezekiah Walker song like, I need you, you need me, we're all a part of God's body. So you have to go and read the song and we can't put it in because then YouTube will pull our license. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that I need you to survive. The church needs each one of us and needs us. Um, I'm reminded of this forward um, by Brian Zond in the book Ordinary Church by Joseph Beach. He says this about the church. Though I'm honest about the persistent shortcomings of the church, I'm not cynical. In the end, I think Origen's ultimate defense of the church against the attacks of the pagan critic Celsus is still valid. Come see our churches. Despite the fact that the churches are compromised, are comprised entirely of sinners, Jesus has never and will never divorce his bride. The church remains the most visible expression of the kingdom of Christ. And then Brian continues, says, you may say that I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one, so let me say it. There's no place on earth like the church, a place where Matthew 25 is just a normal day, a place where the poor are fed, clothed, the sick helped and healed, 
Who do you think invented hospitals? He writes, a place where the immigrants are welcomed and the prisoner is given dignity, a place where everyone is saint and sinner, a place where a judge and a felon can sit side by side on the same pew with equal status in Christ, a place where we not only carry each other's burdens, but when necessary, carry each other. Because despite our vast differences in education and opportunity, opinions and politics, we are learning to love one another like Jesus loves us unconditionally. Yes, I know I'm speaking like a dreamer, but I'm dreaming with my eyes wide open because I've seen everything I've just described in churches all over the world. Amen. The church, we go to the church to be part of something beautiful and big and wonderful and to be part of this Jesus story. Um, every year, Nicholas Kristof in his column in the New York Times will highlight um, this someone in the church, the global church, who's doing something incredible. He says whenever he goes to the poorest parts of the world, he will always find Christians there, monks, nuns, priests, doing the good work of the good news of the gospel. We need the church and the church needs us. We are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus and the church tells this Jesus story and allows us to do this in this space. From the beginning of this Jesus movement, it's been clear. Jesus isn't calling us to go to church. Jesus is calling us to be the church. And when we go to and be the church, we bring a bit of God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. So Spark, I'm so deeply grateful that together we get to be the church and we get to love one another, love others, continue to embrace the five values at Spark that we've seen full on in display in the life and ministry of Jesus. That we get to find ways to continue to share our light, to share the love of Jesus that we've been so shaped for into our world, not for the sake of more converts, not for the sake of any any um, ulterior motive, but just simply because it's just so good and life-giving and it shaped us and we are continuing to be shaped by it and called to it together. So spur one another on to good works, continue to be church. This is why we go to church. We go to church to be the church together. Amen. We are now going to turn our hearts towards communion. If you have uh, the elements of communion with you, bread and wine or juice, please gather them and we'll take communion together. For the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread blessed and broke it, giving it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. All are welcome at this table. Come church. Let's join together.